We've had a two-week break from these podcasts. Find out why next on Table Talk. Hey, I'm Kyle Gatlin. I'm one of the pastors at Covenant, and I am here with Nick Shepard and Bobby Lassiter. Um, and we're going to jump right into it. We've taken a two-week break from doing podcasts, and uh, well, we are the people that normally do these broadcasts on a regular or semi-regular basis. And we've all sort of been preoccupied the last couple weeks. So, um, Nick, I'm going to start with you. What's What was going on in, in your life that sort of took up some time? So just beyond the hustle and bustle of getting into the holiday season, um, Last, not last week, the weekend before Thanksgiving, um, we had had a really busy week previously. Uh, Lauren had a lot going on, so she took a trip with her friend. She went out of the city. I said, vaya con Dios, have a great time. It's going to be great. Literally went on a spa trip. Um, the day before, her dad went into the hospital. We said, okay, you know what? He's okay. He'll be all right. Still go on your trip. That was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mr. David went from the ICU back to, I keep wanting to call it Gen Pop. I know that's a prison thing, right. but to a normal hospital room, right? Um, Lauren's driving back on Monday. Everything's right with the world, getting ready for Thanksgiving. And then the bottom fell out. And uh, unrelated to his surgery, Mr. David's heart stuff, which has been a long running concern since about 2016, just went crazy. Um, He's got an internal defibrillator to keep his heart from doing VTAC runs, right? To keep it from beating too fast. I think shocked him like almost 30 times on that Monday. It was just a bad week, man. So, and, between, and, and, and to clarify, the shocking was not the heart stopping, it was actually going too fast. Yeah, yeah. That's that VTAC yeah. thing. So, between that and just they, it was just a really scary week without going too into detail. Just with a pretty scary week in terms of um, my father-in-law's health, we spent Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving, up at the hospital hanging out with him, which is, I mean, great, right? I'd much rather be able to do that than the alternative. Um, just kind of a wild week. He's still in the hospital. Uh, and just interestingly, Monday when all that's going on, some dear friends of ours walked into the room to visit us in the hospital, So, one or two of the last year clan. I don't know if you'd like to share what happened <laughs> Well, she's next, so because yeah. that segues into there's my word again, segue. There you go. Okay. You're so I'm, good. At it. Can good you word. spell it? Spell I it cannot for me. spell segue. S e g u e, I believe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think S e g w a y, but that's the uh, that's the actual thing that you admitted by one Mr. Oh. Dean Kamen. So oh, okay, it's a long story. Go ahead. All right. So in the, in the midst of this going on with your family, David Barfield, your wife's uh, dad. At the same time, Bobby, what was going on <laughs> yeah, in your literally, life? Literally, <laughs> how crazy is it? Like, we get a text that, or I get a text um, from Nick um, telling me about Lauren and Lauren's dad. And, um, and I told Clay, I was like, bring my car back home. <laughs> he had my car and said, I need to go do a hospital visit real quick. And um, Clay actually went with me. Um, cause we had a date night planned. We were kid free. My kids were in Panama city with my, my parents. And, um, and so we were going to start date night at, um, the CCU unit. Um, and so we went in and, um, not even, I mean, I was there for five minutes. I think yeah. that, 
um, that I got to hug necks um, and sit down for two seconds um, to visit with them and kind of get an update about Lauren's dad. I get a phone call that my husband um, actually filters it and it's my dad and he tells him I'll call him back and then my mom calls and I answer it and she's sobbing and she's headed to the emergency room. Um, and so Monday night she got admitted in Panama city with, um, blood clots in her leg. And then, um, Tuesday found out she had blood clots in her lungs and then, um, also signs of internal bleeding. And so, um, I went straight from, uh, Southeast to my home, packed a bag as humanly, um, (laughs) as fast as possible and went straight down to Panama city and, um, Thanksgiving was quite different for us too this week. Mm-hmm. So, and it was a scary, scary week. We've had a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of moments of um, really just facing a lot of stuff that we haven't wanted to face. Um, and with her cancer journey, and um, but she is literally being discharged from um, the hospital right now. So they're waiting on papers, and um, and hopefully. Uh, They'll send her home with some more medicine. Um, she's got a filtration thing in her for the blood clots, and they're getting smaller. Um, and so we're hoping that it's not a um, that we don't have the complication from chemo again. So, all right. So that was this past. This was Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, a few days before that for for David. And so the week prior to that was when my mother-in-law died and I went to Kentucky. So that that's the last two weeks. That's yeah. why we really didn't have the podcast yeah. uh, because <clears throat> actually I, I think I had three things canceled because of yeah. me, me going to Kentucky, three things that I was supposed to do. Uh, you covered one of them and your husband covered another yeah. one, I think, and, and then I don't know what Sherry did for Celebrate Recovery. Um, so so that, that whole deal, so that's the two weeks of family stuff. All right, and and here's sort of what I where I wanted to go with this. Uh, I was talking about this because what what we just have experienced over the last two weeks is what our folks regularly yeah. have to deal with, what church folks have to regularly deal with, and sometimes we are not um, we're not in the in 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 the midst of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We we're more peripheral mm-hmm. because I mean. A lot of this is personal stuff, right? Yeah. And and I will, I will go back to my 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 wife's journey a little bit. She's she had had a couple trips up to Kentucky because it's been about two month process with with her mother in hospital and stuff like that. Well, all all of it basically hospital for the last two months, and and it and and it really was uh, a time when her uh, her brother and then her sister in law, um, it was a time that that they chose. To really just to be with her mom, yeah. right? And they really didn't, didn't want a whole lot of other people on the outside being a part of that. Yeah. Uh, my mom, my mother-in-law's pastor was allowed <laughs> uh, to put it mildly. Was <laughs> he was he was okay? They were okay with him coming by to visit. Uh, uh, there was a close family member there in Lexington, Kentucky, that was also came by and helped give some relief, but. Their general feeling was they didn't want any other people around during this time. Yeah. Just just want to be family type thing. So um, that's what I that's what I I experienced from afar because I, I stayed home because somebody's got to keep care of animals at my house. <laughs> so uh, so I just heard about it 
uh, from phone calls and everything like that uh, during that process. So uh, I just just sort of wanted to get a feeling of what what y'all went through, what your families experienced during this time, uh, what what helped, and also what did not help. Mm. Maybe not so much it was it didn't hurt you, but it was like, eh, if I had a choice, I'd rather not have that, right? right. A lot of good intentioned people, all right? And I'm going to go back to um, the funeral. This has nothing to do with medical stuff, that funeral stuff. Um, so tradition has open caskets, right? Open mm-hmm. open casket visitation. And and so um, I've, I've really never been a big fan of that, truth truthfully. Um, and, and so... Uh, we purposely had a more private, personal visitation for my mother-in-law at her request. Mm-hmm. She didn't want everybody, just family, uh, obviously the family that was coming in for the funeral, and then a few close friends. But the, the few ended up being like 40. Uh, but but we didn't, we didn't position uh, the family near the casket on purpose mm. because we didn't want to have a conversation right, right near, near the casket. And, and of course, I told him, I said, that's a good decision. You know, that's a wise decision. And, uh, but it didn't stop people from making the, the one comment that I wish people would stay away from. Mm. They look so good. First person, literally the first person that came through. Uh, She was there early. And and of course, I've known her since 1987. So I've known this lady for all these years. And, and, uh, and, and she was the first person that greeted us after she went up and had her viewing, and she looked so good. No, she doesn't. Right. No, she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean they when, don't look like themselves at no, all. No, yeah. mm-hmm. no, and, and very few do. And uh, so that's my pet peeve. That's the thing that does not help. Right. I was, that's one thing I I saw that did not help during that process. But I wasn't there with my family during the hospital visits and all that stuff. You guys went through it. You guys and your families were in the hospital. You were there uh, a lot. Helpful, hurtful? Anything pop in? I will say that, um, well, two sides, okay? So as a pastor, um, the hospital visitation stuff is really hard and and awkward for the majority of the times, right? Because you are trying to figure out – do they really want me there? I know that other people think I should be there, but it's whatever mm-hmm. the family wants is what really matters. Um, and so, like, it took me a hot second, really, Nick, <laughs> like, for me to say, okay, I want to be there. Do they want me to be there? Should I be there? Is it okay that I'm there? Because this is a hard moment, right? Yeah. And um, and just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I automatically get the rights to do that. Mm-hmm. Um but ultimately, like my heart just said, it's Nick and Lauren, um, which um, for those of you out here, like I'm direct supervisor. Right. And so mm-hmm. it just to me, it was like, I have to like it just this is just something that's just not not just part of my job, but just our relationships wise is that I felt like I needed to. Well, and to be very straight up, like in what you just said, that's not a positional thing yeah. like it is in so many of these situations. That's a relational thing, yeah. which is the job. Right. The, if you're a pastor who doesn't know your people, you're not their pastor, you happen to talk at them at a stage weekly. You know what I mean? That's the gig is really forming these relationships. And so like in that example, that was extremely meaningful to us. But like for people like y- you guys, 
especially with all the chaos that came right after that. Um, Laura Grace, so many people from from staff, Kyle obviously coming up there a few times. That to me doesn't flag that of right. like an outsider coming in because that's not outsiders. Right. That's that's family, right? right? Um, and I know, I know there's a broader question here, but first and foremost, like we really sincerely appreciated that. Yeah. And it means a whole heck of a lot because you guys are that church family. Right. You know what I mean? But I hear what you're saying of, hey, if I'm the pastor here and I don't really know this family, are they going to be mad if a pastor doesn't show up? They don't really know me, but do they even want me there? And you got to, yeah. that's just a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. Right. Um, we actually, with no idea what was going to happen, it's just spent a lot of time in the hospital this week. Um, Saturday, before everything else, all this stuff went down, uh, Mr. David was still in the IC, sorry, CCU. It's the ICU, whatever. Um, on that Saturday before Thanksgiving. So before I went over there, there was a youth family whose grandfather was in the process of passing away. That wasn't a question, right? Because right. those are kids who we know deeply mm-hmm. and who I think like, are, yeah, we love these kids. We want to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went from Flowers, then to Southeast to see David and Sherry, then went back home, not knowing that I would be on the receiving end of that less than 48 hours later. Right. And that's weird. Like, so, I mean, and that was the really strange part of, of our, my scenario was that, like, I told my dad, I was like, you literally called while I was in um, visiting with someone who has a critical family member. Yeah. And so I think sometimes as pastors, it's that we're so used to providing this for other people. And when we're on that end of it, it's like, whoa, like, it's just strange. And my family might like, um, not Clay and us, but um, my parents and, and, and their portion of the family, they're very private about things. And 99% of the time, they don't want anyone to know that they're in the hospital. And if I say a word about it publicly, it it causes tension. Um, And, and I think a lot of families are like that, that they don't, that's why we don't hear about it as pastors until Mm -hmm. they get out of the hospital because they are so private. Um, But with my family this week that I was like, listen, you are like at this moment of like, it says life and death as it gets for, for this stage with, especially with the blood clots in the lungs. And I was just like, I need all the prayers that I can possibly get. And I was thankful um, because hundreds of people have been praying for my mom and that's been super fantastic and overwhelming um, and helpful to me that like, it kind of also helped that we were in Panama city. So no one can come see us um, because my family is so private um, but knowing that people were reaching out in other different ways and praying for us, that was great for us. So, so you didn't have any, you didn't have a lot of drop buys. No. So the only like, no, the only drop buys that we had, um, was my mom had a couple, like her aunts came to the hospital, um, family, family. Yeah, just family, all family, like no friends called, um, and friends called, um, like they called my dad nonstop and like every everybody was calling and checking and and reaching out on all the channels. Um, but pretty much it was just family that dropped by, which in those moments, um, I mean, those are hard moments. You're trying to navigate how you feel. Right. And that you're scared. Um, 
to the core about, you know, this is the one person you don't want to live without. And so having people who you love dearly, but they're not family, it's, it's, it's different. Right. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I would agree where it's like, you've got your own stuff you're working through. Yeah. And this is your mom, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I was actually in Clay's kind of position there where it mm-hmm. was my in, my father-in-law yeah. where it's, okay, my job is not only to work through, this is a family member who I love, but this is also my wife's dad. Right. And my job is actually first and foremost to support that person. Right. And that's just complicated, right? On top of all the other things about it, on top of, Staying up to date yourself on top of, hey, we're getting texts from all these people, which I deeply appreciate, mm-hmm. right? And I, what I'm about to say, I will never be ungrateful, but it can kind of be a, a task to keep up with that, yep. to keep everybody else updated yep. when it's like, I'm just a little overloaded yep. right now. Um, and, and again, like, and mostly it was like staff people who I will never say, don't text me because right. I want you, the fact that you're asking means the world, but there is some extra brain power there of, and you wind up just copying and pasting the same text message, which is fine. Yeah, legit, but that happens. I got to keep you updated. I got to keep you updated. I'm getting this message through Teams. This is a text message. That's an email. All these different things, right? So in terms of like what helps and what doesn't help, that stuff actually is super, is huge. Of You're reaching out and you're being there in the way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it takes a little bit more brain power, but I'm that's a price I'm willing to pay to for this influx of love and support and prayer. Cause you need that. But maybe also is that like advising in those moments? Cause those are, cause I feel the same way is that like, I've like part of me was struggling with the fact that, Oh crap, I forgot to text this person back or I forgot to e- give them yeah. this update. And, um, but I think that the majority of the people that reached out, whatever way communication wise, um, what it was so helpful in that was that they had the expectation that I wouldn't text them back, that I wouldn't message yes. them back. It was that maybe like, if you're going to reach out, um, however you need to, because I think people need to know that you're thinking about them, that you love them, that you're praying over who needs to be prayed over, that you have this expectation that they're not going to reach back out, that you are just letting them know, Hey, I love you. Let me know if I can do anything and just kind of leave it there. Cause then it doesn't put um that <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, like there's I think there's still people that I never texted back that yeah. I haven't. Um that's another reason why I've updated a little bit more on Facebook and thankfully my mom has been great with it and been okay with it. Um it's because you can get the updates to the masses without mm-hmm. missing someone. Um and so, but yeah, having that expectation that I'm gonna reach out, but I'm totally great that they don't text me back. Yeah. And and that's what <clears throat> some some people actually do this and and sort of what I'm hearing in this conversation is um that Remy uh two things. Texting versus calling. Yeah. You'd text is better. Yeah, I Right? It depends. It depends on the relationship. Do you want right? you want 50 calls or you want 50 texts? I'm asking. It de- I can't say anything, but it depends on the person. Yeah, you, Kyle Gatlin, calling me—that means a lot That's because a right? you got you two are especially last week are busy. It, but like at the end of the day, like I don't know. I'm, I'm actually having a hard time processing through this. I think the text there is a benefit to it in that okay, that is a thing that doesn't need my mental power right now. 
from certain people at a certain time, and this is the Holy Spirit thing, typically when it does happen, and yeah. it is a benefit, it's like, okay, I needed somebody to stop and just hear me freak out for a second. And they didn't know I was going to freak out to them on the phone, but that's fine. But one of my best friends in the world, uh, my buddy Quan, called me on Wednesday, not knowing what was going on. And I just spent like an hour of his time unloading, which is great because he's a teacher. And typically at noon, he's busy, but it was Thanksgiving yeah. week, so he's fine. Um, he's like, yeah, dude, that's why I'm here. Yeah. And I didn't have the brain power to type all that out, but uh, all the things of, all right, Mr. David's intubated and he's not at this point anymore and this and this and this and this and maybe physical rehab and this and this and this and this. And it was just like, yeah. So I wonder if sometimes there's a difference, the call or the text, it depends on what the person needs in the moment. Do they need that connection of a relationship or they do? Is this a moment where I just need to know that people generally are supporting me? Right. Um, Okay, so you're not you're not wanting to draw a line in the sand. How about you? No, I, would I don't draw, know if there is one. <laughs> yeah, because it really depends on your relationship. I will say that, like, so when Deandra was going through it all, right, that her and I have had been texting for weeks about her mom and when she was up there, and daily I would try to daily to like every other day I would text her and just say, "Hey, thinking of you. Um, let me know what you need and that kind of stuff." Um, and I texted her when I found out that her mother passed, but then. Um, that I called her and knowing that she wasn't going to pick up, but I felt like she, I felt like she needed to know that I took that extra step to call. And, but the message that I left was, Hey, it's okay. You don't call me back. I don't want you to call me back. I just want you to know that I love you. And I'm thinking of you because sometimes we just need to hear that voice. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I don't know if that was right for her. Or if it if if that was um, if that was life giving, or if it was just you know life giving to me, <laughs> like right. you know. So, um, right, so I think there 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 is an answer somewhere in there because um, if if you see a call, you have a choice. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm gonna ignore it, or I'm gonna answer it. Right. And so the answer is in is in how you answer. Yeah. Right. So if you have time, and if somebody that you um, want to talk to you will answer it mm-hmm. but on the flip side for the number of people who are listening to this is if you choose to call and they do not answer do not assume that you're not important but do yeah. leave a, do leave a voicemail yes right oh do, yeah do leave a voicemail and give permission not to call back that's big yes because it takes the burden away and the same thing could be done uh, for a text message yep. too because I've had people not during this process but just a couple of weeks ago, I remember a wonderful lady in our church who prays for all of our staff, prays for – I mean, she she is one of our prayer warriors of this church. She just sent me a text message yeah. and just said, hey, Kyle, thank you, whatever it was, and said there's no need to reply to this message. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, I won't, yeah. <laughs> you know, type thing. Giving that permission, yeah. either in a voicemail or a text message, take, again, takes that – Whatever the word you use, brain, the power. brain power, brain power takes uh, that out of the mix. You I was to, I was specifically <clears throat> trying to avoid the word burden, right? But that is what it is, it right? Is. It's a percentage of your brain power. It's by stepping into the situation by calling or texting me. Are you inadvertently putting more on my plate right now? Right. Yeah. Because when these kind of situations, you've got so much going on on your plate, so much complicated stuff happening. Yeah medical details let alone the all the emotions of it all um 
I, so I think kind of what you're honing in on is, all right, well, we're kind of looking at the issue of call text one way. Let's kind of turn it on its side and say, and I'm just kind of parroting what you're saying of the answer is not found in the method. It's found in the delivery and the execution of I'm here to just genuinely be a blessing to you. I don't need anything from you. If anything, you tell me what you need and I'll be whatever you need right now right. as a friend. But I'm not here to require more of you right. as a person. And, and I think that's what sort of what I'm sort of gearing down to is that um, what what can be hurtful, what can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And sometimes circumstances dictate which one. Yeah, right? it does. Um, and then, and really whatever uh, whatever's going on at, in, at the moment, like uh, Bobby spent all night. Uh, with her mother one night. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the next morning, oh my uh, was she ready to talk on the phone? No, she was ready to take a nap. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So she and was, couldn't uh, do it because there was 12 <laughs> people in the house. <laughs> so, but, you know. So, all right. Um, so let, let me let me ask y'all a question. I'm going to throw out a scenario to you. When and you I, do and this, it makes me scared because he has a little smirk on his face. Yeah. And when he puts the smirk on his face, you're like, what is going to come out all of right. that mouth? Well, y'all, y'all don't know. You don't know some stuff I've shared before, so I'll get to share it and, and then a handful of people here. So here's a scenario. Uh, a person, this is the day before Thanksgiving, uh, a family member, uh, a family has agreed to host Thanksgiving for 35, 40 people, right? Sort of a tradition. It's this one side of the family gets together every Thanksgiving, um, so like, what you had, yeah. right? You had everybody's coming to your house, people. right? You had, yep. you had people coming to your house Thanksgiving Day. Yep. And um, so this was set up. Uh, so the host family, uh, a person dies mm. literally the night before Thanksgiving. What do you do? Who are you in that situation? I'm asking the question. Put, put me in the, a role. The, the what do are we I in the do? Host family? Yes, yeah, you're am the, I a family you're member? In the, you're in the host family. So I'm I'm expecting to show up and be fed turkey the next day. Or is that what I'm host, you're hosting. No, we're expecting to. You're hosting host at our house after and which, a family member which, that which died. Which a family member just died. died. What would you do? I'm calling Uncle Ricky and telling, "Hey, go get some chicken from somewhere. I'm not feeding turkey tomorrow. <laughs> but if you want to be here and be part of the family, great." And I say that comically, but like. I think the only thing you can do in that situation is delegate and say, mm. if you still want to be here, great. And even in how I said that's not right, but like, hey, um, if you want to be at the house tomorrow, there's probably not a better thing for us to do than to be a family in the midst of what's happening here. But I don't have the brain power to provide for you and be a host for you. Find some chicken from Publix. I don't know. I don't know what's open right. on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I will say that. What would you do? Okay, so I will say that we kind of did this. Yeah. Um, so is that on Tuesday when we found out she had the clots in her lungs, I knew she wasn't going to be home for Thanksgiving. Um, and she had 24 people coming over to her house. And um, she is the hostess with the mostess, which now meant I was the hostess with the mostess. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, hey, and I texted all of my, um, I text my aunt and my two cousins because we're all the ones who kind of put it all together. And I said, I think we need to think through alternative plans. Um, we, there's no way that we're going to be able to host this. And, um, so she's not going to be home. Da, 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 da. And after talking through it with my aunt, um, that was like, let's just continue to have it at your house and we will all pull through and do more than we've ever done for you guys. Um, because 
Um, one, it'd be great to be together with all the family. Two was that um, logistically wise, having Thanksgiving somewhere else far away from my mom that's in the hospital would be bad. Um, and it ended up like it was stress and chaos for me for, for a few moments, um, getting everything prepped. But if you put my mom in the scenario of being at the house, it would have been the best Thanksgiving we ever had. Um, like my cousins and my family were there more and longer than they've ever been. They usually show up and like two hours after we eat, leave, they showed up two hours before we ate and they didn't leave until like 10 30 at night, (laughs) you know? And so it was, and it was all what we needed. Like it, it was that I don't think my dad could have gotten through the day without having them all surrounding him. Um, and he had moments throughout the night that he stopped and was just like, I mean, he, I've never seen him miss my mom as much as he did in those moments. Um, but it was exactly what all of us needed. Um, what my brother and me and, um, and so I think that, I mean, it's a little different because my mom was alive and is in the hospital. Um, but if the family pulls together and it's not burden upon one person, I think it's good to continue. Maybe what we did is that we lowered expectations that it's okay that I forgot the rules. It's okay that I made, um, 40 deviled eggs and didn't put them out and totally forgot about them. Um, it's okay that I burnt the sweet potato casserole. The devil's in the details. Yes, it is. It's okay that I burnt the sweet potato casserole. (laughs) He thinks he's funny. Um, And so, I mean, like. I I think he's funny sometimes. (laughs) But we lowered our expectations. Is that like, hell, we'll do it. We'll just, whatever it is, it is. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to be on time. We don't have to do this, that, and the other. Um, So I think that depending on the family, it could still be good to have. Well, y'all might be feel better because uh, 1984. uh, Thanksgiving is its memory for me for since 1984. The the two things that, that, or one thing. That, that Hayes and I had in common was that both of us were under 20 when we, we lost our dads. Mm-hmm. So so literally about, I think it's about between 8 and 8.30 on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. my, my dad died in the house, right? Um, I found him uh, in his chair, didn't look right. I hollered for mom, who's a nurse. Immediately she started CPR and called the ambulance. Anyway, he was, it was... Done. He was done. It was there was nothing, no coming back from it. So, what happened that night was my sister and her husband were driving from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, yeah. so they didn't get in until you know ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Right. So by that time, my brother had driven down from uh, Thomasville, Alabama. So he was he was there, and so so this all happened, you know, between eight thirty and twelve o'clock. Everybody, our, our immediate family was there. Um, Dad had died, and. Twelve hours later, everybody was showing up. Yeah, everybody from my, this is all my mom's side of the family, we, which we've been doing for years. Which is ironically the last time that we have hosted, because mm. it just it was it's not a good our house is not a good location to do that many people. And anyway, but this was 1984. There was no cell phones. Yeah, you can't invite you, everybody now. Yeah, you know, and it was late. Yeah, you know, you, you gonna call everybody else? And we had family members that already driven down from Tuscaloosa. Uh, that that were there, so um, so my mom said, "Yeah, we'll have it." I mean, and and literally, I think some people showed up and went, "Oh, DL's died." And I, I, I mean, I think the word finally got around that morning right. before they came, but it was a sort of a weird day because um, they had 
I think my my mom's pastor came and visited in the middle of the afternoon, which is sort of weird, I thought. But anyway. uh, Was it good for y'all? Like to have family members around? I I think think it was for for mom uh, just because she stayed busy. Yeah. You know. She stayed yeah. busy and didn't have, didn't think about anything. And technically, you know, I think what do you what, what can you do? Yeah, you're not going to go to the funeral home and talk to anybody on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, yeah no. You know, we, we went the next day. You know, type thing. And and so so it's just I mean that that's a Thanksgiving that I always remember. Well, make, every year I'm thinking, okay, this is the day. You know, right? It hits. This is the same time of year. Yeah. Well, but, then, we, but we it wasn't it wasn't even a second thought. I mean, everything had been prepared right, truthfully. Yeah, you know, because. Dad did the dressing, and it was already done, just a matter of cooking it the next morning. So uh, we already had the, all the tables and chairs were already there, you know, type thing. I already, I already forgot where we got them from. But, uh, but yeah, everything was already set up. So I think the busyness um, preparing for Thursday this week was good for me. Um, I mean, my mom is my best friend, and, like, we've we've talked, like, my husband knows that, like, my whole world will, like, shatter um, when she leaves. And so it's, I didn't have time to like, really like dwell on like how serious things were. There were like one, two moments, but other than that, like worrying about, okay, do we have this? Do we have that? like, it kind of helped that we, that she made that decision to continue to have it. Um, and so sometimes that is what you need is right after those moments to, to stay a little bit busy. Um, and have your family surround you yeah. in that process. Was that you were right into college at that point? I was a sophomore. Yeah, it was yeah. My, it was my second year. I, you know, had just moved in the fraternity house. So, wow. and I I went I was back at school on Sunday night. <laughs> and of course, one of the first persons that that came to me was somebody. His name was Will Lewis, and uh, his he had lost his dad a couple of years earlier, uh, yeah. as well. So so yeah. So my fraternity Which brothers that helps already, too, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. I have a. I have a dear, dear uh, childhood friend who was best friends with my brother growing up, and her and I were super close, and she reached out um, and that I didn't know she had literally just walked through this exact scenario with her mom um, in August, and she reached out, and um, those moments are really cool. Like, when we, we've done it as pastors, you know, when we walk through something that our people have walked through, being able to connect in that, but having something be able to connect in those ways. Um, those are super helpful. Helpful. Yeah. I don't remember a thing Will said. Yeah. You know, type thing. Just, just like the, that, that Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, because small city, uh, goes out on the police scanner, mm. you know, type thing. Yeah. And a guy named Richard Ramey, who was a classmate of mine. And we went to school all the, uh, basically third grade, all the way through high school together. Um, this stupid stuff together too. But, um, but he, you know, he showed up because he'd heard on a scanner. His dad was worked with the uh, volunteer ambulance play. I think yeah. his dad actually was, was driving the ambulance that came to the the house and Richard heard on the scanner. His daddy said, it's uh, Mr. Gatlin and Richard came over. Can't tell you a thing Richard said that night, but he stayed. Yeah. And not really, that was the literally the last time I saw Richard. Wow. It's last time I saw it because I was off in Auburn, then Kentucky, yeah. and then, then literally. But so, you remember that he's there. Yeah, remember, yeah. He's there, remember he's there. I might have saw him at the 10-year reunion briefly, but I I probably did. I probably was probably in 1993, I think I probably uh, saw him and uh, talked to him a little bit. Because that's the only reunion you've been that's to. That's the only reunion I've yeah. been to, yeah. Kyle, when did we do that series on the Psalms? 
Sunday sermon series. Oh, man. It's like last year, right? I'm assuming. There's a story I shared back <laughs> then about a guy named Ben Stovall, who I don't know if you were familiar, not with Ben Stovall, in not 2000. <laughs> you know Ben, right? Um, Everybody knows Ben. Yeah. And I promise this is relevant. 2016, August 2016, most of the southern half of Louisiana flooded. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was I just gotten to school. I was doing RA training, so we were there like a week or two for everybody else. And literally, I couldn't get down there if I wanted to. It's all underwater. I want the reason I'm bringing this up is Ben was one of those. How do you say this? You have a way of saying this. Jesus was skin on. Right. Ben was one of those people in that moment who is integral, like your friend, right? Who just the their very presence kind of anchored you. And that's just one of the really cool things that we'll do through those people is like, hey, I'm here, you feel me through these people who are willing to be here for you. And then we get to share that with other people. Right. But I say all that to say, like, I wonder within all this if there's just something comforting about like, hey, there's a sense of normalcy. Mm. Like you said, the yeah. busyness, because we're right. used to being busy. Right. It, it's the moments where you get hit with the grief of things are changing and will not go back to how they were. And you got to stop and think about that. That's when stuff gets hard. Yeah, I think those are the moments where we need other people the most who can kind of anchor us back down to this is what life is. It's, all right, for example, this past week, Life's chaotic. I don't know what's going to happen. People walking in the door who we see on the daily who love us and are there to say you are loved and we are with you through this no matter what. It's okay. It's going to be okay. There's some anchor to a normal life there. Um, And like in 16, we rebuilt my mom's house and life got back to normal. And and that was actually the same summer. Wow. That's probably the first summer you met me, truthfully, was when David went in the hospital that first time. I know that's the first time I met uh, Hayes McKay. Um, and I just, it's just weird to me what God will do in this long term. We're like, all right, well now this week I'm sitting in the hospital with stuff with David's heart stuff again. Um, and it's the same, a lot of the same people walking in the door who were there and came to visit Lauren and Sherry when his heart stuff went bad the first time, because that is that normal. And I didn't know those people yet, but I do now. And it's like, that's that baseline of, God's here and it's going to be okay. And there is a hope and a, and a through line of peace within that. And we have the ability to be physical reminders of that to each other. Right. I think there's also something to be said is that as you said, the sense of normalcy, something I think we see as pastors is that people reach out and show up in the moment really well. Um, whatever way they do it, sometimes they do it the wrong way, but Hey, it's still them trying to reach out and show up. Um, it's those, and, and we were talking about it in our meeting before this, Lauren and I like, we're both still kind of like in a weird space, like head wise. And, but we've got to get back to the grind this week and, and trying to figure out how to navigate like all the feelings, emotionals and all that kind of stuff. Um, is that those after moments, like after the urgency is done, after either uh, the funeral's been had or um, the person's out of the hospital, um, that everyone kind of just goes away. And then you're left to really kind of deal with things. Um, I think it's helpful to know they still need you, like to show up 
as as much as you did in that moment. And I think it's sometimes that they need you more when the everybody who came home for the funeral is gone. Um, everybody who reached out and came by the hospital is now back to their daily life because your daily life is not the same anymore. And you're trying to figure out how to do life with all the stuff that you just went through and all the trauma and, and all that. And, and those are the moments I've watched our people go through such, um, oppressions and, and really just not knowing how to navigate it because they feel so alone because they, they've had this busyness and they've had this overwhelming of people around them and no one's there. Um, and so maybe realizing that maybe you need to reach out again, um, and and continue to check and continue to show up um, because we get um, we get back into that normalcy, right? And and realizing that their normal is different now. A guy named Don Lilly at my first church. He was a retired construction guy. Um, Gideon. He he was just a. If I had to equate him to somebody in our church, it'd be Sammy Prim. Yeah, he, he's one of those type of guys. And uh, but he was just very very. Biblically based, just just a man of God, and we were in a conversation sometime in the mid nineties and uh, about somebody had just died or something like that. He said, "You know, I really, really leave him alone for the first few days." He said, "What I do is a week afterwards." Mm-hmm. He said, "That's that's when I follow up." Yeah. He said, "Because everybody's gone." Yep. So he's it, this that stuck with me since early nineties. Yeah, when, when he said that, and this was this was after a death, obviously. Um, so because like, like you said, all the families come and gone mm-hmm. within seven days. Everybody's coming gone normally. Yeah. Uh, in in our culture, we sort of rush through things, and within two or three days, have everything done. Right. And uh, and family comes in for a day and gone. Yeah. thing so so anyway well thank y'all for the conversation uh thank y'all we hope that uh something that we've said will will spur you to uh, to take um some type of compassionate action with your friends and with your families and and others uh this in your realm within your world where you can be jesus for them in in whatever way that um, that you're led to do that and but i hope you take have taken from this conversation uh that there's there's no right and wrong right there's no good and bad mm-hmm. uh it's just wherever uh wherever you can and however you feel led um do something text call message whatever whatever it is visit whatever it is and i promise you uh the person will may not remember what you said may not remember what you text well actually they will if they keep their text messages right. <laughs> or their voicemail they may remember that but uh they will remember you reaching out in whatever way that is so hope that you'll take that uh, to heart in the days and co- weeks to come. I hope that there's not many people that you have to fool with. I hope that, mm-hmm. that, that, that your life and those in your life are have a great next few weeks and you can celebrate the holidays, but odds are um, that there's going to be somebody that you come across in the days and weeks to come that's going through a difficult time, either with a family member or the, with themselves. Uh, and may God lead you to reach out to them. Thank you, and have a great week.